Good afternoon, Kate. Good afternoon, Molly. Welcome to The World at Your Fingertips, our new podcast. Yay! So, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Before we start, let's just talk a bit about what we are what we are what what, (laughs) why are we here what are we doing where did it come from it came from basically wanting to feel like we were branching out despite self-isolation and being on lockdown in the uk we wanted to branch out we wanted to still talk to all the people we're used to talking with and some new people from all around the world hence the name the world at your fingertips yeah and basically uh we want to be able to learn about these people and learn about what topics may interest them or affect them or concern them or maybe they just want to talk about it just have a chat about something that's going on in the world right now like you know maybe a a trend or i don't know a hobby tiktok is just fits all those things let's get there tiktok don't do tiktok molly (laughs) start tiktok instead yeah really less tag assuming less tech issues that That instead of the we don't need a podcast yeah but it's not as interesting that is very true well we hope you find it interesting you will find it interesting because we are interesting self-confidence self-care but yeah so basically a great thing about being at uni is that you have access to so many different people all around the world and we wanted to kind of recreate that and we thought what would you usually do when you meet someone new at university and that would be go for a drink with them that's the typical thing to do whether that be coffee or alcoholic beverage but we thought that is how you generally get to know each other so we thought the format for this podcast we would get a drink molly what drink do you have today i've got an iced coffee oh very starbucks of you oh thanks babes yeah i have a normal old coffee black coffee because i'm dark and bitter All right, good good start. Good start. Okay. So yeah, we've got our drinks ready and we're we're basically ready to learn about a topic that actually this week is going to concern us at some point in the near future. Molly and I are both university students at the University of Southampton. And so this week's topic of Mm -hmm. steps after uni is very applicable. We're in our final year, I'm doing a master's, Molly's finishing our undergrad. So obviously we will be leaving very soon. Yeah, this is probably going to be one where we actually will learn some advice or discuss maybe the advice that we are receiving from universities. And things that we're worried about. And yeah, definitely looking at other people's experience. We're going to be looking at our friend's experience today. But learning about how generally people or students are dealing with leaving university and what sense they have when they leave and how that changes depending on what happens after uni. And that's the big question, like what does happen after uni? No one really knows until they get there. That is what I swear many, many people are trying to avoid finding out the answer to Mm. and just perpetually stay at university. But at the end of the day, like, I think I'm quite fortunate. I'm very excited to leave and to get a job and to start working professionally in a field that, you know, we've been spending a lot of our student life already feeling like we're working in, even though it's, you know, unpaid. 
cry but media (laughs) obviously I think is a really exciting industry so leaving is something that I find very exciting I don't know if you feel the same Molly no I I do feel the same actually I feel this hopeful kind of excitement and I feel like the future is an opportunity but I'm saying this and I'm also reading accounts from you know different students around the country I've been on BBC looking at some accounts from students and someone put the feeling of hopefulness soon turns to helplessness and that makes me concerned Um, so (laughs) doesn't make me feel good but also you know I know it's different for every person and that is that's something that's important to take into consideration but then also the City Mental Health Alliance said that 49% of students that were surveyed admitted that their mental well-being declined after leaving university so what does that say about what happens to students after uni perhaps how that's affected by how the university approach it and whether the university is approaching it in the right way um, whether that's maybe specific group of universities or maybe that's just a general thing across the board I feel like there are a lot of things that could be unpacked from this so yeah I think also there is a sense of it being its own world like a microcosm of society when you're at university and everyone's encouraged to be themselves people are excelling but at the end of the day it's excelling in a student level it's excelling amongst your peers and amongst almost in a protective space where you're allowed to think creatively and you've got student finance as some support obviously not everyone gets that and it's very differing levels of hardship at university but of course when you leave you leave that sort of safe microcosm where everyone's encouraging most people are open-minded you're kind of feeling like you're surrounded by similar people because everyone's sort of reached a similar place in their lives in terms of being at the same university so I think that is another thing that is only a small thing to some people because people are very aware of the real world versus university life but I think some people might take it as a shock when suddenly they're meeting people who don't have the same point of view and they're reaching barriers that they've never come across before and they're sort of you know exposed to a lot of negative things that are in the world or in the world of work and that can you know seriously damage people's self-esteem people's sense of self everything to do with that is really being questioned once again just like when you join university you've left school life you've got to find your own way all again you're losing everything that you've been secure about for the past three years and you have to remake yourself in this world of work yeah completely I think that alone is really difficult but also it's knowing what you want to do it's quite a lot of pressure on students to be able to plan ahead and been reading through lots of different websites I've just googled what to do after university and everyone like yeah literally and everyone's like yeah you need to get on a grad scheme you need to get experience you need to have a good cv you need to be able to do this and this you need to be able to work hard but also enjoy yourself because it's your last year of uni what if people don't know what they want to do so what experience are they meant to get what grad scheme are they meant to apply for i know that there are lots of things that are in place at universities to help people decide what they want to do but also a lot of people come out of university and go into the working world still a bit lost about what they might want to do and what's interesting to them and i know that for us too as well that student media has had a big part in our our lives but you know think as well that can also take away from what you're studying so that can maybe change what you thought you might be doing when you went into university uh, depending on what you study I know we both study sort of media related courses but we have friends that do biology computer science different you know other subjects mm-hmm. who are now wanting to go into the film and television industry so there's so much university that can shape what you want to do but also there's not that much direction that's something that you have to take the initiative to do so if someone maybe misses an opportunity 
opportunity, then there's that pressure on them to be like, well, where do I go now? And what do I do? And that can be really difficult, I think, particularly when we're talking about the statistics of people's mental well-being when they come out of university. And then what do you do? What guidance do you have? I can imagine it's, well, we're going to find out when we eventually leave university, but it must be really difficult. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's also the pressure to hit the ground running. Like I know a lot of people take gap years, but there's also a lot of pressure to go straight into work. Even if it's not a job that you particularly want to do, there's a pressure of just having a job is considered a success and it's the first success. And if you don't achieve that, then you're destined not to find success. I feel like there's that pressure a lot. And I think especially with students who want to do a master's degree or want to spend a year volunteering or something, there's the pressure that they're work shy and they're not willing to actually put the effort in, get a job when actually, is it so bad if you're actually pursuing what you really want to do, which might be a master's degree, which might be traveling and you might feel like you need to do that so you can focus on work. People are very quick to say people are work shy as opposed to saying people are what, 22 years old. That's still very young. That's still basically not having left education at 22 and expecting them to find this life defining moment of finding a job and finding their career straight away when it might take a bit longer for people. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean they're work shy, doesn't mean they're lazy, doesn't mean they're, you know, millennial snowflakes, what everyone likes to jump on. But I think yeah. there's a lot, a lot of pressure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's not a race. It's absolutely not a race to find out what you want to do. If anything, it's the opposite. People should be taking time to be able to really explore what they want to do. I had this crisis from going from school to university. I had two gap years. And, you know, even then deciding what I wanted to do was difficult. So God help me when I graduate. There is pressure and that's the problem. But there shouldn't be any pressure for people to be able to take some time. You know, everyone keeps talking about, oh, there's a gap in your CV. There's a gap in your CV. Well, why is that really negative thing? If someone is spending that time and exploring maybe what they want to do and getting experience, you know, maybe that I suppose that will fill up the gaps but you know finding out what they want to do why is that suddenly a negative thing why does that put them against someone else who doesn't have any gaps in their CV but they may not be as happy going into that particular career path I I don't know I think there are lots of different conflicting factors and I just think that it's really unfair to be able to expect students to be completely absolutely ready to go into the working world for the next 50 years of their life without any kind of moment to just breathe yeah definitely and like I guess also with the terms gaps in your CV, I think everyone says self-care, but then if you take three months off after uni to, you know, get yourself back on track and feel better about yourself, then that's a gap in your CV. I feel like there's a lot of support with wanting to look after your mental health as long as it doesn't give a bad impression off to future employers, which I think is such a negative space that doesn't really leave you much room to navigate and actually do what's best for yourself without people commenting. And I think that's a lot to do with social media in general, just, you know, where we're at in society at the moment that people always have something to say and I think especially for university students who it is a competition at the end of the day and not everyone wants to see it as competition but you can't help always feel that when you're in a very like I said a microcosm of the world against people that you see every day and it's hard not to compare yourself to other people so I think already you're in a pressure cooker of comparing yourself to your university peers and then you leave and some people might be doing what is seen as success some people might not and straight away it's on social media people are commenting on it so no wonder there's so much mental health issues but then with the pressure as well of not having a gap in your CV and it's sad how people don't have the time to really just develop it's rather 
everything's a race. Yeah, and I think as well, like taking all of that into consideration, at a two-year period where I could think about things slightly more, there are a lot of people, and yourself included, who have gone straight from school to university and then go straight from university to work. Like both of my brothers did that. That's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. And actually one of them, it was fine. And the other one ended up quitting his job and walking the length of Spain. So, you know, (laughs) like it's you just have to, I mean, it's different for everyone. And of course, there are going to be a lot of people out there who fly through uni, fly straight into work onto a grad scheme and are absolutely fine and you know what well done to them because that's brilliant but it's important to recognize that that is just not the same for everyone and I think that that is something that's really not talked about enough yeah it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all thing it's life after uni I think that leads us perfectly into introducing our guest hello Jake Williams welcome to the world at your fingertips thank you for being our guest yeah I mean thank you for having me it's a lovely Easter day and we're all stuck inside yeah yes absolutely wonderful way to be spending the Easter bank holiday I love podcasts so it's great we have one very very important question to ask you do. do you have a drink with you I do and Ooh. perhaps if you can guess what it is <laughs> a glass of red wine of course it is it's not quite oh. the one I wanted I drank oh. my uh, my bottle of Malbec last night when I got back from work after I slept um, oh, but it's nice. uh, it's a nice glass of Merlot um, for all of you okay. wine lovers out there so you've already spiralled into alcoholism this early in self-isolation Intriguing. nah no you know what you enjoy your afternoon drink Jake that's absolutely fine actually I mean, I, Jake I, you, you say that I sit here with six more bottles of wine next to me and a crate of Budweiser <laughs> I was just saying actually that you know alcohol sales have gone up by 25% in it's unsurprising isn't it that, yeah it's absolutely insane but also I am participating in those purchases so <laughs> I only drink beer but when it's boiling outside for some reason that is the only thing that my body wants to drink is beer and I don't know what the science is behind that but I'm believing it's very scientific that your body needs a cold beer when you're in the sun that is a thing because uh, any time that I've been to like a very hot country that's all I crave not really here because it just never gets hot here but like hot countries I just want cold beer and I don't really drink beer so it does I, it I does help know. that the beer in other countries are better though isn't it <laughs> like European <laughs> beer is so much better yeah it's yeah. true Belgian also, beer strong you can import it <laughs> just drink it here as well I just love my beer anyway should we actually talk about what the podcast is all about actually let's get to know Jake first Jake we want to know all about you and oh god you put me on the spot oh sorry no we <laughs> all joking, know you love it. talking about yourself Jake let's hear some of that come on so I, I was at university. I've now graduated. I, I have my master's degree in history after spending far too long. As um, as a lot of you know, I was there for five years at the University of Southampton. Um, currently, I am an assistant producer. I'm freelancing at LBC Radio in London, which is part of the global group. So Capital Heart, Smooth, those sort of radio stations. Um, LBC is the news one. And yeah, it's really good fun. It's uh, far more intense than my time in, in student radio, but I've been prepared for it uh you know for, for all the time i spent in student radio but yeah that's sort of currently what i'm doing and self-isolating but i guess my life hasn't changed much because i go into work every day i commute into london six days a week so yeah. that is crazy that you do that I, i've been thinking about how mad that is that you are still commuting from southampton 
into London. And like, I know obviously it's important for your job, but it's just crazy to me when there's everyone else is just talking all about this big lockdown. And yeah, your life hasn't changed that much because you have a responsibility to the radio station to be able to give the information of, you know, the news information at our so broadcast they, So they call us broadcast critical, which means that the show, the actual broadcast can't happen unless uh, we're there. So that includes the producer and the tech op as well. And they're the three people that have to be in the studio for the show to actually happen, which is quite odd, really, because we've all been handed key worker letters. It feels like you're an imposter. It's very much imposter syndrome because I'm not key. But then you flip that on its head. We're leading a conversation on coronavirus and, you know, we're bringing in experts that talk about legal issues, that talk about medical issues, that talk about finance, etc., etc. And people call in and, and have questions for these experts. Um, people who are in, frankly, quite dire straits, don't know what's happening in their lives. You know, next, can't pay the rent next month. Medically, they, uh, you know, don't think they should go into hospital and the doctor says that they should and that changes their mind, could potentially even save their lives. So in that sense, we're a public service broadcaster and, and in, in my capacity as an assistant producer who takes all of those phone calls and decides who goes through and who doesn't. Yeah, it's uh, flipping on its head. You sort of you sort of do get to see that you are doing a service, but nowhere near to what these NHS workers are doing and, you know, carers. And my, my mum is a carer, for example, and she's, uh, I wouldn't say she's on the front line of this. They haven't had coronavirus in, in, in their care home specifically yet. But if that were to happen, then yeah, you know, she could bring that back to my, my grandparents and that could, the risks are very high for that industry is what I'm saying, comparative to what, what our industry is. So yeah, it does feel a bit impostery, but then you flip it on his head and it's, uh, it sort of makes sense why I'm still commuting in. Yeah, it's so interesting though that, you know, people rely on media so much at these times to, you know, have access to the wider world, have access to information. Um, but that's also amazing that you're classified as a key worker after leaving university, your first job in the radio industry and you're a key worker already like are you excited about that like that's amazing i wouldn't say i'm excited about being a key worker um obviously i would rather this situation wasn't happening and i think we're getting to the point in the newsroom where apathy is setting in over the fact that for the past month or so we've been talking about the same story every show every single day but on again like i wouldn't have been afforded this opportunity you know i'm working essentially six days a week at the moment because of coronavirus um, and, and because of the yeah of the of the need to have more people on station, so in that sense, yeah, I'm 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 incredibly privileged, um, and I'm I am incredibly privileged to be able to still work. I'm freelancing, granted, but I'm still getting paid every month, and there are people that aren't. And and again, I, you know, like I said, I've spoken to people who who don't know whether they can pay next month's rent, and you know, for all the all the schemes the government has brought in to alleviate the economic damage that this crisis could be causing there are still people that fall through the cracks and it are those it's those people that you hear from who who literally have no idea what they're going to do so from the point of view of yeah being at a radio station and just having a job in general um i do feel really lucky yeah i definitely feel that with you know there's general uncertainty as to what will happen next for all students who are leaving university but mm. obviously now it's even more more stressful but let's take it back to when you actually graduated so you graduated last year didn't you um, so I so graduate, what, graduated in December, yes. December, yeah. So what was you sort of feeling, you know, in the in the few months after, or even, you know, bachelor degrees end in June, but obviously master's degrees mm -hmm. sort of finish in September. What was your 
you know, feelings straight after that? Did you feel ready to leave university? Like, what what do you think it was like? So I have this... It's one of the reasons... So I, like I said earlier, I've been at university or have been at university for five years. And um, that stems from the fact that I changed courses after my first year onto uh, the history degree that I ended up doing. Did that for three years and I did my master's, so five years total. No, I didn't want to go because that life is... Everybody says it, but... And I, I think I'm very lucky the fact that it went the way it did because I had an incredible university experience. You don't get that ever again. Immediately after university with my um, my master's degree over, I started working for SUSU, the Students' Union, um, which was sort of a, a, a lovely halfway house between, yes, I'm no longer a student, but I'm still in the student environment. And I was, I was working in the marketing team, uh, predominantly doing all of the social media posts um, and, uh, yeah, just helping around with the events, taking photographs. Uh, Instagram stories, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you went for that job at Susu, do you think that is to do with the fact that you just weren't ready to leave university and you wanted to find a way to be able to just to stay and be able to like continue the experience, or you're just not ready to go into the working world? Or what were you thinking behind that decision? So my logic there was that I could not go home. Home is Exeter, just outside of Exeter, and as much as I'm, I love my family. I'm a very independent person, so going home where I don't even have a bedroom because my, my granddad unfortunately has dementia and he's uh, you know moved into the, the room that I was living in. Even going back home would have been not going home because everything that I, you know I'm used to back home there is, is not there anymore from when I was a child so it, it's all changed. I don't really have all that many friends back home either so essentially the idea of going home was the most depressing thought imaginable especially when I still had friends at university like for example you two you were there and, and you know everybody who's graduated up through Surge and TV, you know, having that base already in Southampton that, yeah, okay, people had moved on, but the vast majority of people were still there. It just, it, it didn't seem logical for me to leave all of that behind yet, especially when, obviously, I want to go into radio and, and have been, you know, afforded the opportunities we've discussed earlier. That takes time and, and that's a process in itself. Um, it's not an industry really where you can just sort of, you, you jump in and you have a job immediately. You have to work towards, you know, doing the freelance stuff and, and taking the odd shift here and there to, to work your way towards a contract of which I still haven't been afforded yet um, and, and that's still what I'm working towards and again um, hopefully I'll achieve it. Working at SUSU was the logical middle step um, and even then like that job wasn't supposed to be a, a last nowhere near as long as it did like that was just a sort of a temporary thing because I'd applied for the job before um, they then pulled the role because of uh, from what I gathered uh, budgetary reasons um, and then I was asked in because I applied for the role to come back and, and, and do it you know for, for a couple of weeks and I ended up staying there for seven months um, up until uh, this crisis sort of uh, you know the financial impacts of this crisis became very apparent um, so yeah in the, in the grand scheme of things I was there because I didn't want to move on and the fact that it lasted so long essentially facilitated my ability to stick in Southampton um, yeah, and absolutely. pursue my, my radio sort of uh, leads as well well I actually think what you've done is a, you know I think that could be a really really good stepping stone for a lot of students because you saying about not wanting to go home that I think that's a big thing and I actually think that probably impacts a lot of students and their mental well-being after university is like the idea of moving home 
and basically, well, feeling like they've almost gone back to square one before they even gone to university, but having to now try and navigate this new world, which they've been thrown into. So I think what you've done by getting a job at CSU first and yeah, you are, you know, still within your university life, but you, you're working and you're sort of learning the responsibilities of work through still being around a lot of students and I think it's a really interesting way of going into the world of work and I understand that's why lots of people become like sabbatical officers and uh, different roles like that within their students union and end up sticking around for a bit. I had considered becoming a sab at one point. Um, oh really? But, yeah because of my <laughs> um, because of my I guess responsibilities when I was within student media of, of, of being head of news for Surge and, and uh, I took the responsibility on when I was at CCTV as well to do the election coverage. I, I Obviously, I can't. I couldn't run and run the elections. So, uh, yeah, two years in a row, I gave that up. But yeah, taking that year to sort of it's well, it's why it's called a sabbatical, isn't it? It is a good one. All I would say about being a sab, however, and this is just from my observations, is that I think it's too still within the student bubble. It's almost like you're still a student when you're a sab, but when you're actually working and not anything to do like with the with the student body because sabs can run for elections for example i couldn't run for anything when i was upstairs in the office i was no longer a student whereas most of them well they are still classed as students so yeah i guess the way i did it was different maybe other people would want to follow my footsteps and do it that way maybe people would want to become sabs and do it that way the opportunities that you're offered to be able to do that i, I think susie should be praised for that uh, obviously we've talked about how you went through student media do you think that if you i'm just thinking for avenues of people getting towards careers in which they want to do obviously doing student media gives you an insight into the industry before you leave university but do you think if you say just did your history degree and your history masters that you would have given not just in media but they would have given you enough support for when you leave university to sort of talk through what options you had or do you think university prepares students in a real way for finding a job after university? I think it's completely dependent on the degree that you do. In humanities, no. I don't think humanities degrees... I guess I'm speaking from a history standpoint um, because that's my experience. I don't think that there really are any direct lines of work out of becoming a history student. I think you've got the pathway to becoming a lecturer, so doing a PhD. I think you've got various pathways with museums, but they, again, are a few and far between. And then there are research roles, but again, it's very minimalistic. And I think that's why you see a lot of humanities students taking up other extracurricular activities for example like I did with radio and TV and I, I know a fair, I know a fair few people uh, with, within student media at SUSU now are, are very much humanities students that have done exactly that and well, from my did. experience <laughs> exactly yeah and, and from my experience going up into you know national radio there are two camps there are people that did journalism degrees and have come in through that route and there are people that did humanities degrees have no journalism qualifications and have learned it all off of just doing it and I personally think that if you're a humanities student that you need to seriously be considering doing extracurricular roles that give you additional skills that you're far more employable with that extracurricular stuff on your CV than you are with just your master's degree or your undergraduate degree if you're a humanities student now flip that on its head for an engineer I'm I'm almost certain that engineers have a far clearer path same with medics same with nurses you know there's a there's a logical progression to completing your degree and going into the services that you 
you've signed up to do where there isn't with humanities essentially yeah I guess that's an important distinction being when we're talking about you know feeling lost feeling anxious to go into a new world and leave the microcosm that is university yeah it is important to discuss how it's so course specific and trying to I think that's something that maybe is especially true for parents who maybe didn't go to university they might not see or value highly enough you know humanity students who are doing extra curriculas getting work experience in media than say oh I'm talking from personal experience a physiotherapist who has not a guaranteed job but a very likely job at the end of their degree I actually really agree with that I think that's a really good point I think there's an unreliable sort of cloud that surrounds humanities students in terms of there's no job really at the end no no set job or like fixed job that people can go into grad schemes tend to be depending what you want to do they don't really exist in terms of media as an example in the same way that it would maybe like a marketing job or a um, again going from personal an actuarial study job things like that where you have these grad schemes that are fixed they do exist but they're not you know not really the way that people tend to go into these kind of industries and I think that's also important to know and I don't think that a lot of people these days are kind of getting that information without seeking it out themselves which I do think is an important thing to be able to do to be able to find it yourself and be able to seek it out but I wanted to ask Jake like do you think that you've received enough sort of information and advice about life beyond the university from the university itself whether you feel that you had that guidance or not? I don't personally feel as though that I was that invested in university that I would have even gotten that information from my lecturers. I, I didn't turn up to all that much and and that was because simply put I was investing the vast majority of my time into student media and one of the funniest things I think I ever did at university just for the pure reaction of it was I was in a meeting with one of my lecturers and he said why aren't you turning up enough and I said because I'm doing student media I, I'm, I've, I've got all of this stuff to do it was it was during a period of elections I think it was the spring elections two or so years ago I said to him I just said straight I care more about my student media experience because this is what I want to go into than I care about my degree. And he just looked at me bewildered in, in, in shock. He didn't really have a response for me. I didn't look for the advice or the information that perhaps other people are looking for in terms of how do I get employed out of university? Because I, from quite early on, knew that the only way I was ever going to get a job in media was that I had to absolutely graft my, my my arse off, you know, coming up with all of this this uh, this content, uh, creating podcasts, um, radio programs, building a team, all all of these different things that I did. Um, to to have that on my CV to then go, please give me a job in radio. So perhaps I'm not the best example to get to, to use of whether I think there's that information there because I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it is and I'm sure if you dig deep enough you you can get it. I don't think I ever ask. I think that kind of shows you know that we are talking about a sort of niche experience with the three of us compared to maybe other universities around the country. Like obviously all three of us went to the University of Southampton or are at the University of Southampton, which is Russell Group doesn't provide practical media courses. I think my course is probably the closest to a practical media course that the university does and that's a master's degree in Winchester not in the main campuses in Southampton so I think what we're talking about is as you you know go through university you begin to you know your priorities change and you go towards practical media making as opposed to theoretical study and that might just be based on 
you know, the pressures of going to a Russell Group University and people when they're joining, prioritizing that over what they think they actually might be interested in, which again creates uncertainty, you know, coming back to the focus on leaving university, because obviously you go into university a completely different person to when you leave. So that same university may not fit you at the end of your five years at university or three years at university. And I think that development over three years is a major part of what makes people feel anxious about leaving because they've changed so much. And so plans that they had, maybe that their parents had more influence in when they were 18 and going to university than what they're doing when they're 21 leaving university and that sort of evolution may lead them away from their parents do you guys think that I I don't know whether I've told you that you guys this before but my sort of roots has completely changed so I was initially either going to join the army or go to university um, out of uh, A levels so I am I was very much set on going Sandhurst, which is the army's officer training headquarters and, and doing that for, you, essentially you're there for a year and you train to become an officer. And I would had that in my mind to do that for, you know, the best part of the entirety of secondary school. And then I went on a on a, an expedition as you do at the, uh, sort of as a, as a final goodbye to your, uh, to your college. Um, and, and, and you do that with a couple of your friends or whatever. Um, and the guy who was leading that was uh, uh, an RAF reserve so our expedition leader and uh, he convinced me to go to university so I ended up going to university and I I, I, um, I didn't shelve my army plans I still would like to become a reservist and I've taken measures and steps to, to go in that direction but I went to university and uh, granted for the first two or so years uh, I didn't really have a direction I, I like I say I, I did my first degree which was a geography sort of degree with uh, a focus on demography and uh, I didn't enjoy that I didn't really turn up I had the best year of my life where I just spent all of my money and failed the year. Changed courses to history um, and I was very fortunate to get on that course because there wasn't any spaces left and it just happened to be the case that I was already in Southampton and already on their books that they did that for me. I did my first year of history and then didn't really have a, a direction. I, I, I'd, I'd sort of moved away from my Hall's friends and I'd recently been through a breakup just before that summer and I sort of needed something to fill the gap and then I picked student media and student media completely and utterly changed the direction that I want to go in. Before that, radio had been something I'd listened to throughout my childhood. Radio was never a, a, a reasonable career path that I'd ever considered taking. This kid who was still convinced he was joining the army after university is now on a path to find himself working in radio. So I completely agree with you, Kay. I think your university experience completely and utterly alters I would, I would say in the vast number of cases, the direction that your life is going to take. And whether your parents have influenced you beforehand, I think it's your your friends and your experience within academia and your then extracurricular experiences that ultimately define what your career or what career path you, you want to take and hopefully can end up taking thereafter. That's Yeah, that's really interesting. But then I think also mm. that can lead into this sense of hopelessness and perhaps loneliness of when you leave that university bubble when you leave all of your friends and everything behind and you go into the working world and I've said earlier that 49% of students surveyed by the City Mental Health Alliance admitted that their mental well-being had declined after leaving university I think it's you know interesting that this is kind of becoming something that people are starting to talk about a bit more and relating it to the fact that there's this sense of feeling lonely and feeling lost I think that's a really big part of why people feel this way and I wondered maybe 
if that is something that affected you or whether actually finding your own niche within university prevented that? I mean, finding the niche in university prevented it for a period of time up until I was coming towards the end of my, my degree, my master's degree. So, I mean, to an extent, taking a master's was stalling. I do want to end up doing a PhD in the future and, and so obviously it will serve a purpose. But again, I think it was I didn't want to leave the university bubble. But in taking a master's and given the fact that you aren't given a maintenance loan to live off of, I think you start seeing the fact that you need money you need you need a job if you're going to survive later in life and, and you're going to need a job and you're going to need a job a consistent you know consistent work and what I think hit for me was around about Christmas time 2018 I started feeling as though that among a, a load of other things that you know I had a mental health downturn that I wasn't going to get that I was in a position where I was worried for the future and that completely and utterly shattered my mental health. There was a period from about December until middle of February time where I was pretty hopeless and worried and straight up depressed about the future. And people who, who I've worked with can probably vouch for me here. So when I've ever been to conferences, I've always ended up, I don't know why, I, I'm just terrified of, uh, of networking essentially, but I've always ended up networking for other people and not myself. And I think that played into it. I've tried to get other people opportunities, but never myself. And then when we were coming up to the Easter break, um, so this is 2019, March, April, and we're going to the media conferences that we, as, as we know, we get. Um, and for everybody else, we have Student Radio Conference and uh, NASTA Conference, which is the TV equivalent in uh, in the Easter break. And we go there and we network with industry prof- professionals, other people within student media around the country. Um, and that was the first time out of sort of that depressive slump where I think I actually networked for myself and I think the reason I did that was because my friends and I had a, a really fantastic house last year that I lived in and, and they really helped me and, and and you guys too and and uh, you know, other, other people as well that I was uh, you know working with and friends with within student media last year um, pushed me on to just go look you're depressed about this you're worried about your future and whether you're going to get a job this is the time this is your chance now to go there talk to people and hopefully out of the back of that you'll get the opportunity that's exactly what happened. I went to student radio conference. I networked. I watched a talk by LBC's Tom Swarbrick. He presents late nights. And I emailed him after. He got me in contact with their head of production. Off of the back of all of that sort of doom and gloom and I'm not going to get a job and I'm really worried for my future. I'm depressed. And through sort of the power of friendships and people pushing me on and then me getting my spark back to, you know, to want to succeed again, I ended up getting the role that I'm currently in. Um, and granted, again, it's freelance and I'm still working towards getting a contract in in radio, wherever that might be. But yeah, that was a very powerful moment for me. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I think probably all three of us have felt this at some point, but there is, once you've been at university for a long time, you sort of reach as far as you you can go in university. You're sort of winning awards, you're in certain committee positions. Do you think that perhaps there's a pressure when you've reached sort of the top of the university level to then straight away repeat that in the professional workspace even though you're moving in at an entry level position but you're expected to sort of maintain that level of not almost prestige I don't want to say prestige but you know what I mean like in university you're constantly working as hard as you can you're working all day all night you're constantly at a high level making things that you know are going well you're you're winning awards you're doing this you're sort of succeeding 
thing and then you leave university and straight away you're at the bottom again did you feel like some of that maybe anxiety it's, it's and like being like a big fish in a small pond right and then suddenly yeah. just going into the ocean basically and trying to find your way right yeah definitely I feel like that that at least for me is what plays into sort of the negative feelings not towards leaving university but like adds anxiety to the situation so maybe I can add a little bit to that and it's that having now I guess jumped over that mountain in a way I think that before you get into the industry that you want to get into yes I think and and we've come from a background where we've all won awards we you know we've been very fortunate in that regard because you know we've had people around us that have pushed us on to do the best that we can possibly do and I think you know coming from that and achieving essentially all that you can achieve in student media you do get a sense of well I need to pass this momentum on to the next role that I do which is going to be in hopefully the industry that I want to work in. From my experience, when I when I jumped that hurdle and I I, I sat down at LBC and, and and I was doing my first shifts, I really quickly realised that it's no longer about that. The only thing that I've taken on board with me that drives me still and is very important, and I would suggest is is would likely be the same for anybody that's done this, is my mentality of if I mess up then I need to learn quickly I need to do it better but with like the small fish you know in a, in a big pond sort of element of it yes I do feel a little bit of imposter syndrome but I think that is more down to the fact that I've only been in the role that I'm in for two months and I've progressed quite quickly because of this virus in regards to actually doing the job it's, it's no longer about the award it's just about repeating it and doing it well and again if you're of a mind mindset that if I mess up this is the end of the world and you don't try to improve then I think you're far more likely to I wouldn't say fail but be affected by the the strain of how intense these industries can be but if you're of the mindset that if you mess up it isn't personal you just need to you know you just need to do you know learn do better and improve then you're going to succeed more generally speaking then is that just a learn it's like a big learning curve for you know making that transition it's it's a learning curve because you don't have the the scope for failure anymore whereas in student radio you or, or student media or student tv whatever you do have the scope for failure like whatever you do there isn't anything riding on it essentially like there might be writing sometimes something riding on it personally for you you might have done a you know a film that you are putting in for an award and and you don't think perhaps that it is as good as it could be or i've made a podcast and i've cut it up into a demo and i don't think it's as good as it could be ultimately that, that there's nothing riding on that other than the fact that you might be disappointed that it doesn't win or it doesn't attain sort of the glory that it should whereas now for me i know that I have an audience of up to a million people listening and if I put somebody through on, on air that isn't potentially good enough then we're going to lose listeners and those listeners translate into the adverts because I work in commercial radio those listeners translate into people listen, hearing the adverts and going off and you know spending money with whatever companies decided to advertise on LBC and then obviously those advertisers wanting to spend more money on advertising on the station so there are now things riding on on what I do so yeah, that pressure is something that doesn't exist in student radio, doesn't exist in student TV, doesn't exist in anything, I would argue, at student level. And that's the thing that I don't think you can prepare for. But if you have the mindset of, if I mess up, just need to improve and I need to learn, I need to do better, you're going to improve, you're going to learn and you're going to do better. That pressure, those sort of time deadlines, etc., are going to be all the more easier. I'll give you an example, as brief as I can be. Um, we were on air the other day 
and the news of Boris Johnson going into intensive care broke. I've never, ever, in the two months I've been at LBC, had a breaking news story like that. We completely canned the entire programme that we were doing. Like, all of the guests that we had up just got rid of. And essentially, we were booking guests mid-show, just trying to get as many people reacting to the news that he was, you know, in intensive care as we possibly could. And that was at breakneck speed. Like, you, you can't prepare for that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely think that what you said there is interesting. I think it's important that people like myself and Kate know that there are aspects of, you know, life after uni, which you're not going to be able to prepare yourself for. Not to put a sort of pessimistic note on that, but I think that the idea of failing and, you know, potentially affecting your position at work is something that causes a lot of anxiety for these students who are trying to seek work. And I think actually, you know, the fact that this is now being more talked about, it is becoming more of a focus, the anxiety of leaving university, I think becoming more of a focus than it was perhaps 20 or 30 years ago. Is it trying to help? Like, What's its function? Is it trying to help people prepare themselves if they can, you know, as much as they can? Or is it to be realistic about, you know, about what you're going to do after uni and just preparing people to not be as hopeful as maybe they might be while still at uni? Like, what do you think? Mm. What are your thoughts on that? That narrative is, it's very interpretable, isn't it? If you're already in a position where you are completely and utterly terrified of your, your hopes and, and the direction that you're going in after you finish university, then that is very easy to read in a negative way. However, I think that when people are, uh, you know, the discussions about, and like you say, it's come into the, into the, into the news and into the limelight over the past, you know, decade or so, there is an element of, let's be realistic, like you do have to have these skills, you do have to have the drive, you do have to have, in, in some cases, an element of ability in the role that you want to take up. But at the same time, if you have all of that, you should just keep trying. There are going to be times, and I know this, I have friends that have been through this, that you're going to apply for something and you're going to apply for, for other things and they're all going to come back and say no or they're not even going to reply to you. And that's going to be awfully, you know, like negative on your mental health. But at the same premise, the ones, the way that I've always viewed this and, uh, you know, I have a friend who, who views it and, and, and he taught me sort of of this sort of method of, of see it as almost feedback. The, yeah. Okay. I, so my, my application is my application is this. I've done this. I've done this. Well, is there a way I can maybe alter that for my next role? What can I pull from this in a positive aspect? And I'm just I want to throw one more thing in here, and it's that I'm coming at this, and I'm sounding really, I guess, positive about all of this. My biggest fear in the working world is being shouted at. I hate being shouted at. It's the worst thing. Like that gets my anxiety going like through the roof. If I'm like, I, and I, I, what I've learned from facing that in the workplace is that ultimately it might happen once or twice, but again, you're in a role, you can then learn from that. Pull the positives from the experience that you were you were going through. You know, you might not yet have the right mindset to be sort of, to be to be pushing for all of these roles, but pull all of the positives you can. And when you actually actually see it in, in front of you and go, okay, wow, I did that, I did that, I did that. Look at the positives I've, you know, use that as motivation to keep pushing and pushing and pushing for these, you know, for these job roles. And eventually, because it cannot, 
be the case that you never get a job you know if you've got the right mindset to do so you will get something yeah definitely I think what you're really getting at is the point that you can have imposter syndrome and that is going to be a part of after uni life but as long as that imposter syndrome doesn't paralyze you so much that then you don't apply for things you don't put yourself out there and you don't you no longer are believing in yourself I think no matter how many times you get shut down or no matter how many global pandemics happen as you enter the world of work like <laughs> as long as you just persistently keep trying that's where the success really comes can i it- can i just say so when before when i was um refusing to network for myself that was me being paralyzed by my imposter syndrome yeah. um and the biggest fear i had there was i didn't want to come across in a manner that made me unemployable that made me look like a an idiot that made me look like the sort of person that somebody didn't want to employ and that was my massive stumbling block I guess also doing that. it goes with the persona that you had when you were at university as well that like you were head of news you were very mm-hmm. prominent in student media I guess networking for yourself and any potentially putting yourself out there for failure as well is quite scary you know when you you feel like you have a position and then suddenly you're going to have to leave it and you're going to have to redefine yourself in a different atmosphere yeah but it's so interesting to see how graduates of 2020 keep that persistence even though it might be slower and it might be more daunting more financially unstable than previous graduating years it's interesting to see how people cope and if stats come out later that there is more uncertainty and how that's affected mental health and or whether we are using this time to learn new skills to come out even more prepared for work you know I think I speak for both me and Kate here I think it's going to be a strange period of trying to you know complete our degrees as well as thinking about going into the world of work but I think that the advice that you've given us and anecdotes you've told us as well and told you know told our listeners are really helpful in perhaps navigating the way out of university and into the working world and perhaps the different routes that people can take. I think if you find your niche at university, like to think that we have, then that's great and brilliant. And hopefully you can take that with you to the working world. But, you know, there is still time, like we were saying earlier, there's still time after university. It doesn't have to be immediate. And I think that that, it's really important to emphasise that. There is no rush to be able to know exactly what you want to do. It's important to be able to take that time to really think about it and in the long run, be happier for it and more fulfilled in the job that you're going into. Um, And yeah, I, I think for me, that's that's kind of it okay I don't know if you have anything to add <laughs> yeah definitely I think it's important to mention mental health but like we sort of said there's no size fits all at this at all everyone's doing different mm. degrees they have different backgrounds different come from this from different angles so trying to be like look we're expecting you to feel uh, anxious after this period almost feels a bit like a self-fulfilling prophecy you know it kind of feels like this is what you're meant to do just as getting a job is what you're meant to do and I think as long as you focus on the current or focus on what you need as a person yourself, that is the best advice that you can take. And perhaps Googling, you know, how I should be feeling could be fixed by just listening to yourself and what you want to do and just persistence, I think, is the the most important thing that we've come across in advice from Jake and just persistently pursuing what you as a person individually want and what your goal is, whether that be traveling for six months afterwards, just going home and recovering from burnout for a few months, like whatever you think your body, your mind needs is what is right. And I know it's hard to say not to listen to outside pressures, but as much as possible, it's 
to listen to yourself and to do what you can because that's all you can do really but yeah, yeah definitely well thank you very much Jake Don't for coming it. and I think that's it for this week's episode so thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week